What's happening and welcome to another episode of the Crossroads Podcast. Here we discuss everything from current Crossroad events to trending topics to how we can reconcile God's truth with the real world we live in. Hey, what's up? This is Jared, and I'm sitting here with Pastor Matt Manning one more time for our second episode of uh, the Crossroads Church Podcast, which is awesome. So happy to be here with you again, Matt. Yeah, thanks. It's awesome to be here. Yes. This is fun, right? It is. It is. is. This is our second ever podcast out of Crossroads. That's right. In the biggest room, I think, that we have in all of our campuses. Here we are. (laughs) Here we are in the closet. (laughs) That's right. Uh, So uh, today in our episode, there's a couple of things I want to cover, again, with the coronavirus stuff and uh, everything that's happening. We want to address that a little bit, just to uh, be able to dialogue a little bit more about what's going on around the world and how that's affecting us as a church. Um, I also wanted to uh, talk about a a retreat that we had as a leadership uh, just last week and what that looks like for us moving forward. Uh, and really, there's all kinds of different things that are affecting that, right? Uh, both, hey, we're in this weird season right now, but then we're going to have to shift back to the normal. Uh, and what does that look like? And, and how do we continue to, to spread the gospel in our current culture? Uh, and lastly, man, I just want to, I have some fun kind of games that I want us to play at the end. And so I'll just leave that as a teaser for now. But uh, you're going to have to find the end of this podcast in order to, to, to find the fun. So it's all going to be fun, though. It will be. Yeah, it'll be, it'll yeah. be great. Grab, yeah. a, grab a cup of coffee right. or tea and sit back and relax. Or if you're driving, put it on. There you go. Listen to it as you drive and watch the road. So COVID-19, there's, there's a lot of, of thoughts around what, how is this affecting us in the church? And really, uh, whenever anything like this happens, uh, I remember this happened back with 9-11 as well, as people start to ask the question, man, is this the end? Is this the end of the world? We know as Christians that at some point, uh, w- w- the world that we know it is going to come to an end, right? It's going to come to a close and, and, and new things are going to happen. Uh, the book of Revelation gives us a little bit of insight to that. Uh, and Jesus talks about it a little bit. Daniel prophesies about it a little bit. And so uh, I, I wanted to just to have a little bit of a, more of a conversation with that. And, and the scripture that I really wanted to use uh, as we talk is from Matthew 23. And this is actually from Jesus when he says, uh, you will hear wars and rumors of wars, but he says, don't be alarmed. This has to take place. But the end is not yet. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There'll be famines, earthquakes in various places but this is the beginning. It is only birth pains. That's Matthew 23 verses four through eight. And so Matthew, Matthew is not here, but uh, Pastor Matt is. Yes, my mom calls me Matthew. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, I could call you Matthew, I guess. There you go. I mean, if that'd be weird. I'm just going to call you Matt. Uh, So (laughs) let's talk about this. Is this the end? And I know that you addressed this in in, in a little uh, update that we did this last week, but maybe we could uh, talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, so... That's a good question, and one that came uh, a lot this last week, particularly after we had some of the earthquakes in Utah. Uh, the Revelation verse speaks of, Utah, of, uh, of earthquakes, not necessarily in Utah, but earthquakes and disease. I think it was actually specific to Utah. Yeah, I think maybe so. Yeah. And so uh, after that happened, there was uh, quite a few questions that came in asking if this is the end of the world. And whenever we start talking about the end of the world, I get a little bit nervous uh, because, you know, a lot of times in Scripture it tells us that we don't actually know when that's coming. It'll come like a thief in the night. 
And so anytime I think that maybe this is the end of the world, then I convince myself that maybe it's not because I wouldn't know it if it was. Uh, but when it comes to end times, the reality is that we all are living in the end times, that Paul is very clear about this, that we are in the last days. Now, is this the last, last days? Uh, when it comes to that, I hold that a little bit loose uh, in really all things end time, again, because we don't know. And Jesus is pretty specific that we're not going to know. And as you look back through history, there's a lot of things that have occurred that seem a lot worse than the times that we're in right now. I mean, I'm sure if, if we were living during World War II, uh, that probably spent or felt like the end of the world, right? I mean, just as Jesus says, kingdoms rising up against kingdoms. And maybe there wasn't a greater time in all of world history when the world was fighting than then. You can go back to uh, what's been in the news a lot is the Spanish flu and all of the people who died because of that, that probably felt like a disease that could be end times worthy. You go back even further than that to the plagues, like the Black Plague that took out, what was it, 25% of the world's population or something like that. And, and I imagine in those moments that people thought, maybe this is the end. I'm fairly certain, too, that uh, even the disciples, right, felt yeah. like they were, they didn't think that life was going to go on further than it did. I mean, I, my understanding is that they they felt that we are living in the last days and that, you know, I, I think that some of them had hope that Jesus would even return before their life was over. And here we are 2,000 years later. And uh, I think that there's just so many different things that have happened in our history where we could, uh, if we put our, ourselves in those shoes, we could say, man, I got to be living in the end times. And I like how you put that, that we are in the end times. We just don't know how long the end times are actually going to yeah, when the out. When the end end is when here. When the end end is here. That's <laughs> yeah. right. Uh, and what I always think about, too, is even if it was, if this was the end time, does that really change anything for me as a believer in Jesus? Yeah, I think that if this was the end end, if we're living the way that scriptures tell us to live, then we live as if every day is our last day on this earth, whether that comes through natural, you know, us dying because of natural causes or because it's the end of the world and, and the last times. But I think that what scripture is very clear about is that from day to day, every part of our lives is to be reflective of what does it look like to live for Jesus and to live in the hope that we have in Jesus. I mean, in times like this with the coronavirus, with panic and fear everywhere, uh, we really are peddlers of hope. Mm -hmm. You know, the world is looking for hope. They're grasping for hope right now. And as believers, we we live with that hope. And that hope should be apparent in us, whether the times are good or the times are bad, whether we believe that, you know, this earth is going to last another hundred years or even thousand years, or if this all ends tomorrow, that, that we are to live with the hope and the certainty that this life is not our only life. Mm -hmm that we have eternity waiting for us. Yeah, and I think that what Jesus calls us to remains the same as well, right? That we're still called to love God with all of our heart. We're, we're supposed to love our neighbor as ourself. And what Pastor Chris talked about on Sunday is we're not supposed to fear, right? We don't have to walk in that fear that uh, there's actually, when we're in Jesus, sometimes it seems like maybe we should be afraid, but because of Jesus, we're not. And I always think of Stephen getting stoned, right? I mean, how can a guy who's being put to death for his faith sit there and pray for the people that are killing him, right? I mean, that's what Jesus did too. But uh, 
Jesus was still God. And so sometimes we can say, well, that's what Jesus did. That's, I couldn't do that. But then you have Stephen, and, and Stephen was just a, a normal guy who was able to do that because of the Holy Spirit that was in him. And so I, I just think, man, we're just called to live the life that we're supposed to live. And, and I think our humanity can creep in sometimes where we want to self-preserve, um, which is there's that fine balance, right? We talked about that last time a little bit, the balance between uh, preparing for the future but not going crazy. Um, and so I, I think that, man, we just continue to live the life that God called us to live within the boundaries that we have. And, and it's it's actually kind of, I think it's fun in this season that we're in to be creative in the ways that we're loving our neighbors, right? And, and to actually see people rise up. Um, you know, the <laughs> it was really... I don't know if it's dumb, but it's kind of funny. Uh, people howling at night. Did you see that? I haven't seen this. No. So uh, I've seen the bear hunting. I have not. Okay. The, yeah. I, let me talk about the howling, and I want to hear about the bear. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So at night, I think it was in California. At, at a certain time, people will go out on their porches, and they'd all start howling together just to let everybody know, "Hey, we're in this thing together," you know. And yeah. it's this weird community bonding thing that it, over a, a, a weird thing, but. Okay, bear hunting. Yeah, bear hunting. So, like, little kids are, are putting, like, bears up in their window, and then you can drive through neighborhoods looking for looking for bears. Okay, bear, yeah, hunting. bear hunting. That's awesome. I've seen the heart one. Uh, we did the heart one at our house okay. where uh, you decorate your windows with hearts. Yeah, that's really girly. It is I'm, girly. It bear is, hunting I, is, is much more you. manly. I hear you. That's fair. Uh, either way, we're in this thing. Thanks, Matt, for calling me out or my wife did it, okay? I was just supporting her because I love her. <laughs> so we're still called to be the same as we're supposed to be. Um, I think the other piece of this is, man, as human beings, we're naturally rebellious. And not just naturally rebellious against God. I think that we're naturally rebellious of whenever anybody tells us this is what you need to do, our natural inclination is to say, no, I'm not going to do that. So the state comes out with stay-at-home order, and I saw a meme that had, like, a barren California and a barren New York and then uh, full-on, you know, full-traffic I-25. It says, you know, this is what it looks like to stay at home in Colorado. And uh, whether that's completely true or not is probably not completely true, but there is that sense of, I don't want to stay home, and, and if the government's telling us to do that, and then more fear creeps in, right? Like, oh man, is the government going to take over or, or what is happening with that? And so I just thought, what is your perspective on that and how it pertains to what we're being asked to do? Yeah, well, it very much is true that when it comes to Colorado, that we have a deep, deep spirit of independence when it, the way that we live our lives. And I think that as we think about this critically, at least as Christians, uh, that we have to Think about what it is that Paul said really in the book of Romans, that you have this great part of Romans in chapter 12, 13, and 14, where Paul has just given us all of this great theology, and then he flips it and says, now this is what it looks like to live. There's a renewing that's happening within us. And then he gives us a whole bunch of uh, things that this is what the reflective, this is what's reflective of a believer. And so you, you read through that and you get to chapter 13. And, and one of the things that we're told in chapter 13 is that we are to be submissive to the governing authorities, that, that God has placed these 
authorities over us and that we're to be submissive to them as, as believers. You get into chapter 14 and we see Paul telling us that we're to live peacefully with everyone that we can, that as much as it is up to us, that we are to live peacefully. And so as we walk through this kind of coronavirus these shutdown orders, um, as that rages kind of against our independent nature, the reality is, is that God calls us not to be independent. That God looks at us and says, look, at the end of the day, I've put people over you and, and you're to listen to them. Mm-hmm. And you're to live peacefully with others. And so as we've tried to navigate this as a church, as I've tried to navigate this and make decisions for the church, every day I wake up and I just pray, God, I'm help me make the right decision mm-hmm. today mm-hmm. as news comes in seemingly every hour. Um, the two things that have kind of guided me in this is how can we as a church be submissive to the governing authorities that God's placed over us, and how can we leave, live peacefully in this? Yeah. Yeah, and I, I mean, when Paul wrote that, I mean, he's talking about the Romans, right? And the Romans were... Yeah, they pretty much hated him. Yeah, for sure. So for him to write that and say, this is what we're supposed to do, I think speaks to a lot of of what God is asking us to do. Um, and I know that you're on a weekly call with Jared Polis, right? Our governor, um, who is, uh, giving, uh, I mean, it's you, I, I don't know how you got into that call. Uh, but, uh, I know that he is working diligently with the churches and, and not trying to, uh, overcome us and, and shut us out, but really trying to bring us into the solution. And so uh, maybe you can uh, give us a little insight there as well. Yeah. For the last couple of weeks, uh, Jared Polis, our governor, has done a clergy call where whoever is clergy uh, has been invited into this call. And Dave Runyon and City Unite have been kind of the facilitators of that discussion. And every week, Polis has given us time as clergy to clarify, to ask questions, to help us navigate uh, this situation. And and I've been really in awe of the way that he's led through this situation, that I look at it as a no-win situation. You know, if, if he doesn't shut down the state and people die, he gets blamed. If he shuts down the state and the economy tanks, he gets blamed. Like, there's really no win uh, in this space. And yet, he's trying to navigate this. And he's bringing the church along, that he has, he's made mention and even shown that uh, the state values the church. Even in these orders uh, that were passed down this last week, the, the church was given exep- exception or exemption to really uh, continue to do what we do online. And that we are able to do that and um, kind of alleviates the fear that some people have brought forward, like the state's trying to shut us down and the state's trying to close the church. And mm-hmm. and really that's far from it, that the yeah. state values the church. They see the community that exists in the church. They see how many churches, much like Crossroads, are a benefit to the community and serving the community. And at this stage in life, they they don't want that to go. They need more of that. And the truth of the matter is, is that throughout human history, when crisis has happened, people have turned to the church. And there's great comfort in gathering in the church and pursuing and seeking God in that mm-hmm. space. And now we're in this weird moment in history where all of a sudden we're not allowed to gather. And so in some ways, the state is asking us to truly be the church. You know, it's to, it's to be the church outside of the building and to live our faith out in the world. That's another cool meme that I saw was the, uh, it was the inside of a church building that was empty, you know, and it's a, you know, it's kind of cheesy, but basically it says uh, nobody's in the church, 
but the church is still active, right? The church is happening, and that's that's what we're called to be, right? We're, it's more than the gathering, and I think that that's the the upside of all of this is that we actually get to live it out, and and what this we're living it out specifically in our neighborhoods because we can't leave our neighborhoods. Uh, I was driving in talking to my sister and she said how jealous she was that, uh, I got to leave my house. I, I, I said, well, that's because I'm essential, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you are essential, you are essential. which, uh, I don't think she appreciated that all that much, but, uh, and now she gets to appreciate it forever because I just said it in this podcast. That's right. (laughs) It's forever on the interwebs. That's right. Forever on the interwebs. I do think that it is uh, quite interesting, right? I think that the church gathered is hugely important. Mm -hmm. We're we're commanded of that in Scripture, that we're not to give up meeting with one another. And yet at the same time, I think that the Western church has become a little bit uh, inward focused, a little bit comfortable in the buildings and we've forgotten what it looks like to be the church in the outside world. And in some ways what has happened to us is forcing us out of our buildings and to gather in some creative ways uh, for this time and to move in ways that, that God is using us in the communities in which he's placed us. And what a cool time that we get to be in with technology that, uh, we can still play or play. We can still have Zoom calls, right? We can still gather. We can still have worship services online. I mean, there's so many different things that we can do that, you know, 50 years ago probably really wasn't, it wasn't possible at all. You know, I mean, if this would have happened, how much more difficult would it be to sustain through it? Yeah, even um, 15 years ago, yeah, right? Yeah, so it's, it's pretty amazing, and I'm thankful for, for God's preparation for this time. And, and, you know, the church has endured a lot throughout history, like we already talked about, and, and, and I know that, I mean, it's Jesus's church, right? And so there's really nothing we can do to make it go away because he's going to continue to build his church. Yeah. So I think the question remains, how do we remain faithful for sure in this space that God's given mm-hmm. to us? Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know. I still say it's a lot of fun. Uh, so, uh, switching a little bit. So I think about, I know that I think the order came out today that said we can't leave our houses. When, when is the day? When can we get out? Oh, you're talking the April 30th. April 30th. Yeah, that all this stuff is in place until April 30th. Yeah, April 30th. So then we switch back. We don't know what the policies are going to be after that. But as we start shifting into the old normal, and we're in this normal, and then we have to go to a new normal, uh, I mean, as a church, we've started all kinds of new things in order to stay connected. And, And we're actually reaching a lot of new people online. And so... Uh, when we shift back, what is that going to look like? And I don't even know if we have an answer for that yet, um, but maybe you have some thoughts on that. Uh, last week, uh, the leadership gathered together on a Zoom call, and we spent two full days really looking at what does the future hold for us and, and where is God calling us to into the future. Uh, and so any thoughts that you have on that, Matt, uh, as I, I know that it's kind of a a puzzle still, but as we're working through it, where do you land on some of that? Yeah, the reality is is that since we've gone online, uh, we've averaged over 2,000 people a week. And part of the question that we're asking is, you know, on any given weekend, we see somewhere between 12 and 1,400 adults in services. And now we're averaging 800 to 1,000 more people. And we're asking the question, who are they? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and... And so, yeah, part of, as we move into the future, part of what we're looking at is, is the realization that we can't put it all in the box. 
We can't put it back in the box. There's a way to do church in-house, which is important, like we talked about earlier. And also, one of the greatest means of, of evangelism, one of the greatest means of, of being able to get the hope of Jesus to the world is through the digital platforms. Mm-hmm. And so we've given quite a bit of thought these last couple of weeks to what does it look like to move forward with, with a new digital strategy, if I can call it that, yeah. in a way that continues to engage people because the reality is, and we've said this a lot, is that 90% of people will check out a church online before they ever step in the doors. And so uh, how do we do that? What does that look like going forward? And so there's a lot of conversation, a lot of thought uh, in that and to that. Part of what happened last week was we had a two-day retreat. Like you said, it was supposed to be in person, but because of everything that's going on, uh, we did it through technology, through Zoom, and spent two days really pursuing God and asking God, what does what does the new normal look like for Crossroads? Mm-hmm. Uh, we were already going down this path. We were already asking God and seeking God in terms of clarifying vision and moving forward and simplifying the church in some ways and and really looking forward to how do we reach this culture. And in some ways, what this this COVID-19 situation has done is caused us to go, probably church is never going to be normal as we knew it mm-hmm. for any church. Too many things have changed in the last three weeks for, for churches mm-hmm. to just go back to what was. Mm-hmm. So that reality probably doesn't exist for us. And so we're in this kind of in-between space that we're just holding on. Right? <laughs> we're just bare knuckling for the ride, making decisions as fast as we can. And yet the reality is, is one day we'll be able to gather again. This won't last forever. We'll be able to gather again. And what does the church look like? in that new reality. And so we're praying through that right now. I think that's something that's really cool. Yeah. Yes, we see more people watching, um, but I've heard some some stories too of people actually coming to know Jesus uh, because of it. Uh, you know, where, uh, you know, I, I'm so thankful to know Jesus and to, to have that peace, but there's people that don't and they're, they're freaking out. And so uh, they get to see us and say, hold on a second, how come these guys aren't freaking out? What do they have that I don't have? Uh, and I know that it's, you know, that I've heard several stories of people who uh, have contacted people, leadership in the church, and, and they've come to know Jesus because of it, where if none of this would have happened, I don't know that they they would have been open to to hearing about who Jesus is and, and how uh, he can affect their life. And so uh, when we go back to the to normal, when we start mm-hmm. gathering again, those people who are, are reaching to us through technology, we don't want to just lose them. We don't want to drop them, right? And so uh, I just think that there's a lot to think through uh, when it comes to our front door and when it comes to uh, new people coming to our church. And, and we always want to see our church grow, right? Like that's the whole reason that we're doing this retreat is because uh, we want to see growth in our church, not just uh people moving into Colorado that are coming from other churches, but we want to see new people come to know Jesus. We want to see, be able to baptize people uh, that uh, are, are adults that have come to know Jesus and say, hey, I want to publicly declare that I'm a follower of Jesus now. Um, and so we're just, there's a, a lot, I think, in our in our philosophy that is shifting in order to accommodate that space. Yeah, totally. God has used this situation to open the door to people's hearts. I truly believe that. Uh, one of the maybe even bigger than just the amount of numbers that are coming to the online service is the amount of prayer requests. Last weekend, we had 168 prayer requests. Uh, typically, in a given weekend, we have somewhere between 10 and 15. And so uh, God is opening the doors. And, you know, the last couple of years, I spent a lot of time in Lebanon. And the church in Lebanon is 
explosive. It's growing. And I come back and I share the stories from Lebanon and, and people ask me, well, how can that happen in the United States? Because there's something about that we just long for, like this, this pure version of the church. And my answer always is, is pray for pain, pray for suffering, pray for disruption. And, um, Never in a million but years. Don't. Never in a million. Yeah, actually. Nobody wants that, right? <laughs> so never in a million years did I actually think that that was going to happen uh, in the Western world, and yet it has. And God is doing the same thing here that I've seen Him do in Lebanon the last four years, and that's open people's hearts. So Matt, with this retreat that we just had, what is what is one major thing that came out of the retreat uh, that uh, helps give us understanding of what the vision looks like? Yeah, we spent a lot of time the last couple of days really looking at the vision. And I think one of the things that we walked away with is really some clarity on what the vision could be. Uh, One of those things is really kind of hanging out together and collectively hearing from the leadership of this church, what what does God have for us in our future? What does the next five years look like at Crossroads? And and so we put our minds together. We uh, put ideas up on the board. We went through and really uh, summarized those, got those down to some unique ideas, took away strategy and just so that vision was left. And and then the next day, put all of that into really a, a good summary statement of, of what the church could look like in five years with real emphasis on reaching the lost in our communities. That community continues to grow. Uh, an emphasis on church planting and what that could be and how that could be. And then um, really kind of the homework then is for me over the next month, month and a half to go through that vision and to pursue God and to seek God in ways that um, that there's even more clarity brought. And I guess if I could ask the people listening today, uh, one of the prayer requests that I would throw out there is, is for them to pray during this process, pray for these next six weeks. Uh, by middle of May, my hope is, is that I have a a statement that not only is clear, but also inspires people to be the church that God is calling us to be. And certainly uh, where we find ourselves today is helping propel us into that space, right? Um, And so uh, things might look a little bit different than what we were accustomed to, but I think that we can all get on board with, it's okay for things to change for the purpose, like people don't necessarily like, hey, let's change everything. I love it. It's my favorite. But when we can see the bigger purpose behind the change, I think that all of us get on board with, yeah, let's reach the lost. What does that look like? What do I need to do to make that happen? Um, and so uh, I, I'm certain that as we continue to, to have podcasts, as we continue to uh, move forward, that uh, we're just going to be discovering this stuff together, right? Yeah. Um, and that's what I've appreciated about you, Matt, and your leadership is that uh, you're not walking around telling everybody, I know the answers and this is what we're doing and shut up and follow me. But really, you're you're gathering us together and you're moving us along together and saying, hey, we're in this thing. We, we are literally in this together. God is moving us as a body of believers together for the sake of being the church and reaching the lost. And so looking forward to, to hearing more uh, and being a part of, of everything going forward, Matt. So to wrap things up today, uh, one last bit of fun that I wanted us to have is I want you to imagine that you are being uh, cast out into an island. Uh, you, uh, I suppose your family can come with you. Okay, you're welcome. And you are going to have a lot of spare time because there's no technology, there's no internet. And so you can bring three games with you, okay? Three games 
to this island with your family. Maybe some friends are there too, uh, but uh, no TV, no technology, nothing. You have these board games. What three games does Matt Manning take with him? Yeah, the three big games in the Manning household are Settlers of Catan. Yes. Like that is that is the number one game, and mm-hmm. and you know a little bit about that since I've beat you at it. I do. Yes. Sadly, I do. Yeah, and then uh, we would also probably bring Ticket to Ride. We're big Ticket to Ride okay. fans. Mm-hmm. And then uh, my middle son, he loves the game of life. Not like the old version that we played, but there's like this newer version Ooh. of stuff. Yeah, and uh, he, he loves that game. So we would probably... What makes life... What's the new... Give me some insight there. I yeah. remember the old one. Yeah, no, like the board is like completely different and it's like totally modernized. So you can buy a whole bunch of houses or Ooh. yeah, you can skip kids altogether. If you don't want any kids, you yes. can skip kids. You, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's pretty exciting mm-hmm. stuff. He, he loves playing the game of life. Cool. That's awesome. Life, Catan, Ticket to Ride. That's it. Hey, that's all you need in life. You're set for the rest of your life. No problem. Enjoy dying on the island with your games <laughs> and your family. Yeah. Thank you. Well, I guess, I mean, you go, but then, man, you're leaving a legacy there, so... That's a good legacy. That's right. You could just bury those games. Absolutely. That's right. Love it. Uh, No Jumanji. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) So awesome. Thanks, Matt, for being with us. Hey, everybody, thanks for listening. Uh, We will continue to uh, be connecting with you uh, through podcasts and through many other means. Uh, We are on social media through Instagram and Facebook. Just search us on Crossroads ABC. Uh, Love to continue connecting with you throughout this time and into the future. 